the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of your men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner, he said. For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord, and the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Wow, what an event in the life of Israel. As uh, Moses was obedient, and isn't this an interesting strategy for warfare? Isn't this something how God prepared Moses and Joshua and all the children of Israel to fight in a certain way? What can we learn from this in terms of our strategy of life, our praying, how we really face the challenges of life? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. The Apostle Paul says, I would that men everywhere would lift holy hands without anger or disputing. To lift holy hands. Why is it that we lift our hands to the Lord? You know, some people think that that's an unusual practice in worship. Yet we know that from Genesis to Revelation, it was a very common practice and encouraged practice among believers. And we, you know, we should not uh, encourage people to lift their hands if they don't understand the practice or just don't feel right about it. It's not something that we do to fulfill some kind of law or order. But there's something about the just the response to God which is so natural and genuine that we lift our hands to the Lord. Have you noticed that human beings kind of have that response? I mean, if you watch the football game this afternoon, you're going to see that response, but it has nothing to do with worshiping the Lord. It has to do with the enthusiasm of football fans for their team as they stand up and they raise their hands and they shout. Don't you think we should be at least as enthusiastic in love and devotion for our God? Not that we're copying the football fans, but they're copying us because we have the great reason to praise and to worship God. And we realize that God somehow created us with this need and desire to glorify Him as He really is. And there are other expressions in life that remind us of that. And by the way, have you been watching Tim Tebow and the big controversy over the way he boldly play, prays after he plays on the football field? And, you know, I heard about this young man. I'm not much of a football team, a football a fan. But the other night, I happened to see him interviewed, and I'm watching this young man 
explain how he really had a desire to be a bold witness for Christ. And he really felt like he needed to pray for God's strength and help to be the best person he could be, win or lose. And I was listening to the sincerity and I thought, you know what? We should pray for this young man and for his witness and his influence in football and in sports. And I have to think that God's pleased with his yieldedness and his boldness and his example as he bows on the football field and thanks God for God's help and continues to ask for God's grace as he has this privileged position of being being in the public eye and how important that that really is. Well, there are some valuable lessons to learn from what happened that day on the battlefield. You know, Israel had just had an interesting experience. They had moved into the wilderness on their journey to the promised land, and they had run out of water, and they were very upset and complained to Moses about this. And their complaining increased to the point where God had Moses take his staff and strike a rock, and the water came out to refresh them. And so they'd had this great blessing, this great breakthrough in God's provision. And now they suddenly find themselves on the battlefield with the Amalekites who were fierce, dangerous, cruel warriors. And uh, history tells us that it was the grandson uh, of Esau, uh, Amalek, who was the... The, the, the father of this tribe that would move through the wilderness and attack and kill just for the sport of killing and steal for their provision. And so they were a dangerous and very violent group. And so here Israel, no match for the Amalekites coming out of Egypt. They didn't really even have an army. And young Joshua, who first appears here in terms of his ability to lead the military, had a very great task in leading Israel and their fledgling army against these dangerous Amalekites. But God had a plan. And how many of you know that when God has a plan, he not only wants us to do what we need to do and his promises that he'll bless us, but he wants to teach us in the process. He wants us to mature and grow. And that's exactly what happened is God told Moses to go up on the hill and take the staff, the very staff that that Moses had been carrying for so many years, the staff that he picked up in the wilderness and learned to be a shepherd. And then God sent him to Egypt to face Pharaoh. And it was that staff that he raised up and pronounced the judgment of God against Egypt. It was that staff that he raised up and struck the water and The Red Sea parted and the children of Israel went through. And that same staff, now God says, go up on the hill and lift it up. Just obey me. You think, what could that have to do with a military victory? Well, Moses was obedient and God answered his prayer. The description is that as Moses stood on the hill and kept his hands lifted up towards the heavens, that Israel persevered in battle, overcoming the Amalekites. But then when Moses grew weary and he could no longer hold his hands up, that then the Amalekites began to win the battle. 
and uh, it was Aaron and her that wanted to help Moses, and there they are standing with him as, as, as faithful servants, and they lifted up his arms, they found a stone that he could sit on, and they helped him to get through the day until sundown, until total victory was won. What a great strategy for victory, because it was God who won the battle that day, and God could have done it any way that God chose, but God chose to teach his people the importance of prayer, the importance of trusting him for victory in the process so that they could be victorious that day. We know that uh, prayer is a very important part of the Christian life and that we all need to pray more. God's uh, stirring our hearts here at Faith Chapel to uh, commit to a greater emphasis in prayer. And we have a great uh, heritage of prayer here at Faith Chapel. One of my favorite stories, and some of you were there, is about the, how during World War II, people prayed at Faith Chapel, which is Faith Tabernacle then, and they had stars on the flag to pray for the soldiers they that they knew of that needed to be protected and get through the war. And so the prayer warriors of Faith Tabernacle prayed for those soldiers and I understand that all, almost all of them came safely through. All of them came through. Not almost all. All of them that were prayed for came safely through. So aren't you grateful that believers at Faith Chapel held their hands up to God and prayed for the protection of those soldiers? And how many of you know that that kind of prayer, intercessory prayer, as we come before God's throne is so very important? Are you grateful for parents who pray that kind of prayer for their children? Are you grateful for Christians in our nation that pray that kind of prayer for our nation? We realize that we've got to lift up our hands. We've got to call upon God. We've got to wait upon Him. You know, there's something about that staff that's interesting because it was the practice of the shepherd who had lots of time out in the field to, to meditate, to mark his staff as a remembrance of his life. And so to put a mark on your staff to remember certain important events, surely Moses had a lot of marks on his staff as God had helped him through so many challenging times. You know, I wonder if, if Moses had a mark on that staff for remembering that when he was a little baby that his mother had made a basket and uh, committed him to the Lord, and there in the river, he was found by Pharaoh's daughter, and there was a special provision. I wonder if Moses had a mark on his staff for <clears throat> that experience he had where he was moved into the wilderness. He was really exiled, and there, as he became a shepherd, he began to really know God and God's ways. I wonder if he had a mark for his wife and each of his children that were born. I wonder if he had a mark there for the judgment on Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. All of the marks that were a history of his life. And so when he lifted up that staff, it was about the faithfulness of God. I've got a staff like that. How about you? I've got a memory of all the blessings, the answers to prayer, the provision of God. And when I come before the Lord and I call upon him and I lift my staff it's about my life and all that he has done. How many of you have a few marks on your staff? 
And with each of those marks, a grateful prayer for God's goodness. I've got my children uh, marked on there. How about you? And my grandchildren, as they're beginning to come, I realize that, you know, I'm very limited in what I can do for the people that I love and to have any influence in this world. But God has no limit. I want you to see three important things regarding this strategy. What do we find here? What do we see in the way that God used Moses to deliver Israel and to teach us a very important lesson? Well, it really is a strategy for prayer. And first of all, we see that it's a, stra a, a strategy for worship. As Paul said to Timothy that men everywhere should lift holy hands, we realize that God's first priority for us is to worship him and to know him as he really is. And it causes us to think of the altar where we come. Think about offering ourselves, Romans 12, 1, which says that we need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We think about the throne of God that we cannot reach in the natural, but we can by faith. Just as surely as Moses came before the throne of God in worship, we have the same privilege. And so it's a strategy for worship. Secondly, it's a strategy of warfare. Ephesians 6.12 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. We realize we are involved in a great spiritual battle. And we need spiritual power in, over, in, in order to overcome a spiritual enemy. John 10.10 10 says that Satan comes as a thief to kill and to steal and to destroy. That sounds like violence, doesn't it? Well, guess what? Satan wants to do violence against you and against your loved ones. He wants to destroy the good that God would do. And so we must come against him in spiritual warfare. Here we see the importance of intercessory prayer. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 talk about how the Holy Spirit intercedes through us, through a language that we don't even know or understand, as we express to God the need. And we really believe that God hears our prayer and the Holy Spirit helps us to pray as we ought to pray. We see the importance of intercession. We see the importance of inspiration in warfare. As the warriors were inspired, as Moses was faithful and lifted up his hands before the Lord. They had the inspiration to fight harder, to fight longer, to push through and to win the victory. How does it feel when you're really in trouble, really discouraged, and you can't even pray and someone says, I'll pray for you. Or you call the prayer band and you realize that there are people that are going to pray for me even when I don't have enough strength to pray for myself. Does that inspire you to believe in God? I've had trials in my life, how about you, where I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to pray. And it was the prayers of others that saw me through. Well, we also see in this strategy for war the perseverance, which is so very important. Aren't you glad that Moses just didn't stand up there and give his little five-minute devotional prayer and leave the scene? But he stood through the whole day. When he didn't have strength even to hold up his arms, he stood until sundown 
until the victory was won. How many of you know that sometimes we need to pray and keep praying even though our strength fails, even though we run out of energy, even though it's it's no longer that fulfilling it, to do that. We do it out of obedience, realizing the need, the spiritual significance, the responsibility that we have. And so the perseverance that's needed to win a war. And then finally, we see it, surely as it's a strategy for worship, a strategy for war, it's also a strategy for winning. For this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We see that through faith and through obedience and through the unity of the Spirit that day, a victory was won. It took faith to push through. It took obedience of Moses and of the soldiers. And the victory was absolutely won. How many of you are grateful that God has really convinced you in your heart that ultimately, because we are in Him, we are on the winning side? Regardless of all that Satan is trying to do to destroy us, to discourage us, to keep us from receiving the prize that God has prepared for us, ultimately we will win. Notice that this strategy for winning also required a unity. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says that we should bear one another's burdens. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 said that we should do nothing through strife or vain glory, but that in the unity of the Spirit we take our stand. What a wonderful picture it is of Moses struggling to keep his hands up. And then these two friends and fellow servants of the Lord, Aaron and Hur, took up his arms and helped him to hold up his hands and the staff still longer. You know, every leader that God calls to serve him has limitations. Pastor Phil and I were talking recently about how grateful we are for the people in this church that lift up our arms, that steady us and encourage us and have uh, encouraging, inspiring words and input regarding this. We went through our, we had a prayer meeting and our leadership meetings and congregational meetings. And both Pastor Phil and I came through that time encouraged by many of you who just simply said, well, we're just praying for our church. We love our church. We're praying for our pastors. And that enables us to, to hold our hands up even longer until the battle is won. <clears throat> well, I need to summarize here. And we need to prepare our hearts for communion. <clears throat> Let me simply say this. God wants us to realize the importance of truly trusting Him, being dependent upon Him on His promise and realizing that He knows us. He knows our life. He's calling us to lift our hands and to present our staff, our life to Him and to intercede, to not give up, but know that as we persevere that God will surely answer and God will undertake. He wants us not to be weary in well-doing, but he wants us to, in faith, persevere and see that the battle is won. 
How many of you have uh, loved ones who need the Lord that without God's faith and strength, you would have given up on them by now? Don't give up. Don't give up. As we come to the altar this morning, let's be reminded of what God has called us to. And let's realize that each of us have a responsibility and a privilege to intercede and to pray and to stand in the gap, even as Moses did. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for this encouraging example. We ask you to prepare our hearts, even this morning. And Lord, we ask you to dismiss us with your blessing this morning. Help us to realize what we're carrying in terms of your kingdom purpose. And Lord, help us to pray and to serve and be faithful to you until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.